This is Tim Staten in Stating the Obvious, where we make sense of leadership principles and turn them into relatable everyday actions that could enhance or improve your leadership style. Happy belated new year, everyone, and welcome back to Tim Staten the Obvious, where I want you to check out our new cover art. Um, as we mentioned before, we've rebranded the show and we've got some new content lined up for you, which I think you're going to like. And so we're going to continue on uh, this week with talking about fraternities and sororities and their impact on the workplace. And is it a good thing or a bad thing? Last episode, we talked about meritocracy and how your merit, uh, what you do in the workplace should talk for you and speak for yourself and move forward. You know, most organizations are meritocracies. However, based on uh, normal policies and procedures, Procedures. Not everything can be a true meritocracy, but people try to make it that way as much as possible. Now, this week, when we talk about fraternities and sororities, we're going to think about it in the workplace contents. So we're going to talk about how the good parts, the bad parts, and what some studies have shown. I'm going to take a break on the topic and make a couple of announcements. First, thank you for those of you who have checked out our podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, please do so on iTunes or Podbean or the Google Play Store or Check out our YouTube page, hit the, hit the subscribe button, and smash that little bell icon so that way you can be alerted when we publish new content on there as well. Every time we do a, a podcast, it gets uploaded on there. And we also are doing uh, YouTube live sessions where we can get interactive content, have a special guest on, and have you as a listener get in there and publish your questions and talk to the uh, guest or myself real time. Uh, so be looking forward to that coming up as well. I also want to say, if I could ask you to do something this week, is please share this podcast with one or two people who you think may like it. Um, I know this podcast is leadership uh, centric, but it's also people centric focus. So just also know that somebody else out there might like it. So share it with them as well. I also want to thank you for doing what you do on a daily basis as leaders. Uh, obviously, you know, leadership positions are a thankless job and not everyone understands the difficulties and the troubles that you may go through. So thank you for doing the right thing, doing the hard things every single day to keep your organizations moving forward. All right, jumping right into the topic of fraternities and sororities in the workplace. Let's define what I'm talking about because it's important to have a proper framework and understanding of what it is that we're going to discuss. So the U.S. legal definition of a fraternal order is generally defined as an organization wherein a group of men, women, or both are bound together for purposes of advancing their educational, social, or other benefits also to the relation of persons having common purposes of interest. So basically, what does this mean? Boys and girls and boys and boys or girls and girls coming together for a common interest for bettering themselves, bettering the communities, and also, um, you know, getting a fulfiller, more richer life out of uh, joining these fraternities and their uh, and fraternities. There's some benefits to this, right? So, I mean, if there wasn't a benefit, people wouldn't do it. So let's take a look at some of the benefits. So you can a pledge or become a brother or sister to be around other people that are in the same mind, spirit, or goals as you. 
So that means if you have an ambition of being a lawyer or a doctor or just even a school teacher or even just a great community worker, you can surround yourself with people who aspire to those same goals. You can share ideas and you can feed off of each other. You can encourage each other. You can help each other where you may have deficiencies, somebody else has a strength, and you can balance each other out. So with that, it's a huge benefit. You're also hanging around people with the same goals. And because they have the same goals and mindset as you, you're able to network. And networking is a huge uh, benefit as well for joining a fraternal organization because you can reach out to people who are currently in the industry, who have been through what you've been through or who are going through what you're going to go through. And they have the opportunity to provide some necessary insights that they may not have had. And they're going to share that with you so that way you can benefit from their experiences and get better yourself. When it comes to actually being on the job and putting in your resume, you have somebody in the industry that you can put down who could also vouch for you. Maybe not necessarily vouch for who you are at work, but vouch for how your work ethic is and what type of person you are because they also join the same fraternal order. So therefore, they are the same type of caliber of person that you are. And they're going to say, hey, I'm going to vouch for this person based off of X, Y, and Z values or virtues and not necessarily work ethic, but it helps you get your foot in the door, which which is awesome. Now, some of the downsides. So it can be very expensive to join a fraternal order as well. It costs money every quarter. There's annual dues. There's mandatory events that you have to go to, balls, galas, charitable events, social events, which all require some money and some time as well. That gets you, uh, you know, gets taken up. And if you didn't join one, that you would get back. It could also be socially limiting and doesn't necessarily allow for a diversified background because you're basically hanging around the same people that are like you. They have the same aspirations, the same goals and objectives, which is awesome, but also doesn't give you a different insight because it may not be as diverse as if you didn't have one and you had to go out there on yourself and learn and figure it out on your own. You can also fall into the group think mindset because you're intellectually stifled because all of you might think the same way because you're being taught and instilled in the same values and virtues by the same group of people who read the same materials of of literary work and you're not getting that outside of the group influence which could be a good thing but also it could be you know stifling intellectually because you're just not getting it from a diversified background also there's rites of passage or hazing that frequently occurs with it and it's a significant and it's significant right so it's an emotional event that you're going to have to go through now some people are going to say well that helps you deal with adversity that helps you deal with challenges Challenges, it helps you deal mentally and gives you coping skills. I would say more than likely than not, I'm going to be okay if I didn't have to go through some type of hazing event. And you would be okay too if you didn't have to go through some type of hazing event. So just keep that in mind uh, when it comes to these things. Now, some of them don't have rites of passage. Some of them don't have hazing. And those are really, really good. And for those organizations that don't do that, I applaud you for that. Because at the end of the day, that kind of dwindles who you are as a person down and stifles you. And it could hold you back, especially if you're uh, afraid of what could come out of it. If you don't go along with the group thinking, the group mentality of it or the hazing and that could be negative to you as well it's a significant amount of time that you have to designate towards these organizations and it consumes your life as well and if you don't pick the right one it can be even more 
time consuming because now you're spending time around people and things that you thought were one thing and turns out to be another. And then you have mental remorse and regret about the decisions you made, but yet you're invested the time and the money into it. So you're going to continue to do it because of the eventual benefit outcome at the end. So you could have this mental mindset of, hey, what I'm going through and the people I'm hanging around with, even though it's not enjoyable to me, I'm still going to do it because of the benefit at the end outweighs the current sacrifice, which may be true, but it's also a downside. I know tons of people who designate their spare time towards these organizations. They don't have time for anything else other than designated towards generating social functions, generating charity events, which are great things to do, but at the same time takes away from who you are and takes away from the things that you want to be working on. So I would just offer that up as a potential downside, even though you can spend it however you want to be an upside, but still it takes up a lot amount of your time that you could be focusing on yourself to get better. Now, in college or in life, joining a fraternal order comes with perks and and downsides, as we just talked about. When it comes to the workplace, many people join an organization because of the potential employment and networking. So let me say this a different way. Some people automatically join a fraternal order because they know if they join that fraternal order, it's going to help them get a job later on down the road because many people in that career field are a member of this fraternal order. Now, when again, I go back to fraternal order as it could be a fraternity or a sorority, whatever category that falls into based off of the definition at the beginning of the show, that's what I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with trying to get an inside edge on getting a job or possible employment or a new career, kickstart off some something new that you haven't done before and you know this will help you get the inside track. And studies have shown that most people get hired by references by someone who's internal to an organization. So why not go about this avenue to go ahead and get, you know, the benefit that can, comes from it, right? So here's some issues that I see with fraternities and sororities in the workplace. The first one is when loyalty resides with an entity other than the workplace organization, then there's conflict. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is there are people who will automatically side with their outside influence organization versus doing what's right for the betterment of your actual employment organization. And that is an inherent conflict. Now, people can spin it however they want to spin it to say, oh, well, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z for the benefit of this organization. I'm doing X, Y, and Z, or I hired this person for these reasons or these other people. Either way, if you have to explain why you did something, there's automatically an issue with where your loyalty resides. And so I would say there's a fine line of where you need to check that at the door versus where you let that need to influence your decisions at work. If a person is completely qualified for a job, absolutely hire that person. If that fraternal organization and you're a member of that is an additional plus for you because you know the, the benefit of those people, you know, the values and virtue of those people, and that makes the organization better. I get it. But there's got to be other reasons and um, aspects and qualifications behind it other than just that one. So we've already talked about, which goes into my second one, which is hiring people based off an affiliation only and not qualification. All too often, there are people who join a fraternal order thinking, if I can just be this, a member of this, then it's going to get me this job, or I'm going to get into this law firm, or I'm going to get hired by this police department, or I'm going to get hired over here. I'm not saying that those things in careers I just mentioned are that way, 
I'm just saying that those are could be people's mindsets based off of what I've heard and my experience. I've also been on the flip side of that where people are like, yeah, I'm going to hire this dude because or this dude because they're a member of this. And I know those people, even though they're not as qualified, I know we're going to get great work out of them. OK, got your mindset, got your mentality, but there's got to be other reasons and qualifications to support your decisions, because otherwise you have a bias against other people who are not a member of that organization. And you could be limiting your organization from diversity, which would be amazing to get different perspectives and get away from groupthink. This goes into the third thing, promoting based off of an affiliation and not on merit. How too often have you seen or heard of cases where people get moved up based off of an affiliation because somebody knew somebody else and not because they were the best worker or the best qualified person for that job? I know you're out there going, no, there's no way that that could happen. That's not ever the case. But in a small percentage of that case, and I'm going to say small, it does happen. So that causes conflict in the workplace. It do, it deteriorates the value that people place in the systems and the procedures of that organization because people are like, well, no matter what I do, if I'm a, not a member of this, then I'm going to get overlooked. It devalues the people who are do trying hard because if they're like, well, I did my best, but I'm not a member of this, so what does it matter? It devalues their work because now they don't see the worth and the merit based in what they're putting forward because there's no reward in it no matter what they do based off of appearance and perceptions. So we need to find a fine balance between this when we look at fraternal orders and workplaces and how we also as leaders outwardly proclaim our um, loyalty to one or our membership to one, right? So if we say, well, I'm a member of X, Y, and Z, just out loud, somebody somewhere in your organization heard that and thought automatically, I'm not a member of this, so therefore I'm excluded. You can disagree with me all you want, but somebody somewhere automatically thought that. Or they thought, I don't agree with the values or what that organization stands for in the civilian sector or in the external workplace sector. So therefore, they could have a lesser opinion of you. Now, you may not care because you're like, whatever, I'm a leader. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm just saying that those are perceptions that you have to look at and manage it because perceptions create realities because what your mindset says and what you think automatically turns into action. It manifests small at first and then it grows bigger. So if you're noticing an issue somewhere with people's behaviors or their attitudes or their disloyalty to you or your organization, then you might want want to take an internal look of, well, what did I do or say, or what is going on with that person to cause them to think and act a different way? It starts out small, but grows up to be bigger eventually. When we talked about, you know, the group think mentality of sororities and fraternities, those are great, but we also have to think at you know, do we really want group think in our organization? Do we really want everyone who is investing mental capita into our organization to think all the same way? Because now we're going to get the same ideas with the same potential outcomes and the same potential ways to solve problems. There's other ways to do that. So we don't want to make sure. So we want to make sure that we're not limiting our mental diversity and mental capita based off of affiliation. So when I call this the group think infiltration, because we often do it subconsciously, we often hire people or surround ourselves with people who think like us. And because they think like us and they act like us, we automatically like them more because it supports what we want. It's just human nature. So you have to go outside yourself as a leader and think about that and think about, are you really putting the right people around yourself that one will keep you honest, two, 
are going to challenge the norms to get the organization better? And three, are they going to make the organization better because they're looking for new ways to solve problems that are different than what we already have? And that one for many people is hard to swallow because people don't like people to challenge the norms and people don't like to challenge the change. But I will offer up, you need those people around on your teams to make things better. And you could limit that if you just look at, hey, this person's a member of a fraternal order and I like that. So we're going to keep them on our team. Now you're probably thinking, no, we don't do that. No, we don't look at those things. I will offer up. It is a subtle subconscious thing that people do. And there are sub subtle ways that you can let somebody know that you are a member of an organization. And then they will say, yep, you know what? I like this person or I want this person on my team. Even though they may not have said what they're a member of, they have demonstrated that they're a member of it. And therefore I want them on my team. Just take a look at your mental biases and take a look at that because that could hinder your organization. Now on the flip side, there are great things about hiring people who are um, a member of fraternal orders. And here's why. Studies have shown that people who are, have a fraternal connection tend to be more productive at work. They tend to be more self-starters. They tend to look for things to do. They want to stay busy. They want to contribute to the team and to the community you have at work. So those people will bring value to your organization in ways that you didn't think of. They'll look for ways to make workplace environments more positive. They'll look for ways to how to socialize things so it's not just work all the time and business all the time, but how can we enjoy each other as human beings and get along and work together better as human beings. So that is also a huge flip side. When you look at initial employment and you look at people who are a member of fraternal orders, if you lack an organization who has any of that, those could be people who could bring value to your organization in those aspects. So when you take a look at, you know, what do we got? What am I looking at? So when you look at, should I hire someone who's a member of a fraternal organization or not hire someone who's a member of a fraternal organization. I'm not saying to look at that at all. I am saying to be conscious of those people who are going to be outwardly professing their loyalty to anything else other than your organization. It could be detrimental to your organization. For example, a church. If you are in church leadership and you have somebody who is outwardly professing something that is more important to them than their church body, well, then that's going to have an influence on what goes on in your church. And it's not necessarily what you want to have go on. If you're a member of a biker a club or a motorcycle club, but they're motorcycle clubs, right? How many times does that person take off to go on these weekend sabbaticals that are mandatory by their motorcycle club in order for them to maintain membership? So those are the things that have impacts on your interior workplace that are subtle, but they're going to happen. So just take a look at that. So when we talk today about fraternal orders, and I call it the infiltration because it is a subtle subtle infiltration of any organization that has any type of outside loyalty other than the betterment of that organization, it is called an infiltration. It's subtle, but it could be positive changes that they bring to the team, or it could be negative changes that they bring to the team. But you as a leader need to make sure that you are managing and balancing expectations and perceptions. Make sure that you're managing the right perceptions to show that you're fair, you're balanced, and what you do. So that way, with your outward profession of fraternal organizations. It could have a negative impact on it. So it's happened in a couple of places that I've worked at where I've seen an, a huge negative impact on it. Now, I don't think fraternal organizations are bad at all. I think they have a great place and a great time. And I think they have a great 
purpose, but I don't necessarily think they mix well into the workplace environment because of politics. And we have to get away as leaders from mixing personal extracurricular activities and business for perception's sake to make sure that it is fair and balanced and that merit can truly take base. Now, I put this after the meritocracy podcast because I truly believe that merit-based organizations should focus on merit and focusing on hardworking individuals and making sure that their ideas that are good and that are producing for the benefit of the organization, those people survive and those people outlast those that are not and are only looking out for themselves, which are going to go into our next topic for next week, or I'm actually not even going to say next week. It's been a while since I've been able to produce a podcast. I've been sick. My kids have been sick. Life has happened and I'm really sorry about that. But for the next podcast, we're going to talk about toxic leadership. I've been reading a lot of articles about toxic leaders and toxic people. And I have an interesting take. I don't believe that people are naturally toxic. I don't believe that leaders are naturally toxic or try to create toxic environments. So we're going to talk about that the next podcast that I produce. And it's going to be called Toxicity. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Tim Stating the Obvious, where we talked about fraternal orders and how they're good or bad and how they should fit into the workplace. Before we end, I'd like to ask you to please subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with one or two other people. Let me know what you think about it. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Am I completely off base? I don't know. But if you tell me, then we can have a conversation about it. Also, if you haven't visited our Patreon site, I would love if you'd stop by there and just take a look at it. We're trying to keep new content going and keep everything running. So that would be a great way to give back to the show if you feel like you're being blessed and having this show be a benefit for you as well. Lastly, I am interested in hearing about your stories and your experiences to keep the discussion going. And I keep saying to keep the discussion going because this is about you and how we can grow together as leaders and ideas. I believe that everybody is entitled to great leadership, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what line of work you do, you should strive to be the best leader and you are entitled to best leadership possible. Please, that's what I'm saying. Let's have a conversation about this. And that's the only reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I think we need to have this conversation. And other people think we need to have this conversation. We are over 500 independent downloads here shortly. I look forward to hearing what you have to say. I appreciate you downloading, but I also want to hear what you have to say. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and come back for another one. I'm Tim Staten, stating the obvious. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.